0: What we started and close it out today on the subject there of um, building God's house and knowing um, that we are the house of God um, that is being built up. All right, then. We're God's house that is being uh, built up and that God doesn't just want to visit with us and do things, but He wants to come and abide and live all right on the inside which is to dwell within us that we make space for him and he abides on the inside of us uh permanent living in other words uh we are responding to his dictates uh he has found a host where he can express himself fully without any hindrance or any form of restraint. And in order to look at this today, I will re-examine again, all right, the concept of the tabernacle of David. And essentially, in the past I've only focused on one, but God began to show me some other things about that tabernacle, and the fact that there are two elements to it. It is not just the fact that there they sang praises unto God, But another very strong element, and we see this in the writings of David, is that he related to God as a merciful God. uh, A God that was inclined to forgive him of his sins and trespasses. And therefore, what we have in the tabernacle of David, and when Solomon built the temple at the end, that was what they did. And we see that at the dedication of the temple. It was the place where the mercy of God met with the praise, all right, of man. In other words, our praises unto Him now meets with His disposition of mercy unto us, and it's this praise, all right, meeting with mercy, that causes grace, that supernatural enablement, to be released into our lives. But for us to understand the subject of mercy and forgiveness of sins, because I believe that a large part of the body of Christ, particularly uh, the the kind of charismatic word of faith folks, all right, skip that aspect of the gospel of Jesus, and that's because, you know, we believe, and it's correct, we are the righteousness of God in Christ, so people now begin to debate and say that, well, you know, I, I am the righteousness of God in Christ, and people even argue as to whether or not they should confess their sins, all right, and, and whether they should ask God for forgiveness because they believe that you know once Jesus died, they forgave us of all our sins. Uh, but I mean that's a very dangerous doctrine, and the and reason is once the consciences of people are seared, the Bible says that you will make a shipwreck of your faith. In other words, once your conscience is no longer alive, you sear your conscience, and you deaden the voice of your conscience. The faith there is going to be, all right, it's going to make a shipwreck of the faith. In other words, the guide, the rudder that is on the inside of you, the compass that is inside you that helps you and guides you there, it has been destroyed. And so what we have is Paul saying that it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to my conscience. And there was the ministry of the Holy Spirit within his conscience through which he navigated issues in life. Uh, but we, we have to understand, and I have to go back and teach it, so that we understand from the beginning, and that man is actually is a spirit being because God is a spirit. We were created in the image and likeness of God, and God, and so we also are spirit beings. And what we do is we inhabit, or the body is the host of ourselves. So. This body that we see is not the real you. Uh, the real you, you are a spirit being, and you live inside this body, which is your house. That's why James said, "Let's let's look at it in the book of James, James, and chapter four here uh, to explain this." James chapter four. No, no, not James four. Um, James and chapter 2, it says in verse 26, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So the body, so when somebody, when we say, or people say somebody died, what they are really saying is that their spirit is not that that person died, is that the spirit, who they really are, they have left their body, to another destination. So the body therefore drops down and it is lifeless. That is, the person who inhabited that house has left that particular place and moved somewhere else. That's simply what has happened. All right? So nobody dies in that sense. What happens is you change your location. Now, what's the evidence of this? We see this in Luke chapter 16. I have to start from the beginning to explain this so we'll get it. Luke chapter 16, all right, when we look at it in verse 22. And it came to pass that the beggar died. So, if we say the beggar died, we simply mean the spirit of that beggar left his body and was carried by angels. So, that person was still alive. But the body there was lifeless. The angels carried the spirit into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died, all right? It means his own spirit also left the body and was buried. And then in verse 23, to show that they are still conscious, it says, and in hell, he lifted up his eyes. So he was still alive. Being in torment, he felt things. And seeth Abraham afar off, he could see. He just left his body. And Lazarus in his bosom, verse 24, he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. So he recognized where Abraham was. And he said, Have mercy on me and send Lazarus. In other words, he was saying this send Lazarus that he may. So he recognized rankings that Lazarus should be sent. So he, was, he had his memory there that he may dip his finger in water and cool my tongue from tormented in this lake. And verse 25, and Abraham said, Son, remember in that lifetime you received good, thing, good things, likewise he evil things, but now he is comforted, you are tormented. Verse 26, and beside this there is a great gulf, so we can't pass. Verse 27, all right. Then he said, I pray therefore, Father, will you send him to my father's house? Verse 28, I have five brethren. So he was conscious of the fact that he still had five brothers on the earth. Or you for I'm saying, yeah, this is not somebody that, that, do you get what I'm saying? This is somebody that changed location. All right. So what we are saying is, you are a spirit being. Now they carry the body of Lazarus, and they carry the body of all right, the rich man, and the family members will have been crying that he is dead, but he was alive just somewhere else. That's why the Bible says that as Christians, that one of the ways in which we show our testimony is that when somebody dies, all right, we understand that his spirit has left his body to another place. And Paul said, I'm in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart. That's him. All right, to leave the body or to be with you. He said, To be with the Lord is far better, but it's more expedient for you that I'm with you. So it is, when somebody leaves their body, all right, it is our loss, but well, you can say it's the gain of, 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 of you know, they go up to be with the Lord. But the idea that they have died and, you know, no, no, that's not the idea all right, it is the body that dies, that person does not die. So that should show you that you are more than this body. So the interesting thing about you is that nobody has ever seen you. Nobody knows how you look. We know how your body looks. Are you following what I'm saying? You inherited the body from your parents' genes, but who you really are, we haven't seen. So when somebody comes and tells you that, you know, you are going to fail. He doesn't know what he or she is talking about. So all these ones me like, I'm going to fail. They, don't, they haven't seen you. You are invisible. Are you following what I'm saying here? And the Bible says no man knows the things of a man except the spirit of that man. So nobody can define you and make proclamations over you. Do you get what we're saying? So if they look at you and say, you know, you are terribly fat. Well, you say that the body I'm living is, do you get what I'm saying here? All right, so what happens is you have the spirit there, who is you, and then we've got to understand that man is a tripartite being. What do we mean by that? Threefold. Now, so we get it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. I have to go to the beginning and explain it. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. I pray your whole spirit, your soul, and your what? Body. So you are a spirit being, you have a soul, and then there is a body. Now, so let's just say for explanation here, in between the spirit and the body is the soul. Now, when the body controls the soul, then that person is carnally minded. When the spirit controls the soul, then that person is spiritually minded. Do you get what we're saying here? When the body controls the soul, then you have the person saying, I am weak, I am fed up, I am discouraged, I am this. When the spirit controls the soul, then he knows that let the weak say, I am strong. Do you get what we are saying? Now, how do we know who controls the soul? The words you are speaking. Now, you can make yourself feel any way you want to feel. If you feel discouraged, you can encourage yourself and get happy in 30 minutes. Because the Holy Spirit that resides on the inside of you can pump joy into your soul if you do it right. Do you go and see it? Now, what you are seeing now is that the mind is being governed by the body, so you see the physical world. But there's the spiritual realm also, which is what Paul was now praying. That God will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That the eyes of your understanding will be opened up. So you can see into the realm of the spirit. At the same time, see into the physical realm. The reason why we only see the physical realm was after Adam ate the fruit. He thought his eyes would be opened. Actually, his eyes got closed. So all he now saw was their nakedness. Which means they became body conscious. Alright? So God wants to open up the eyes of your soul there. That's what is the eyes of your understanding. That's your soul. So you can recognize spiritual things as well as physical things. All right? So it is either the body is expressing itself through the soul or your spirit is expressing itself through your soul. So it is the soul that actually changes. All right? So when you got born again, When the Bible says you are created now in righteousness and in holiness, he is talking about the state of your spirit. He is not talking about your body, neither is he talking about your soul. When you say, I am saved, you are saying my spirit is saved. You are not saying that's what you are saying. In other words, the day you got born again, a new man came into you, a new spirit, but your body remains the same and your soul largely the same, apart from the fact that the entrance of the spirit and the Holy Ghost, all right, so many areas within your soul immediately get cleansed, just to make you know that somebody else has come on the inside. But largely, all right, you are, you are largely like that. So the soul, so the Bible now says the process here, of our growth in Christianity is the renewal of your mind, which means that your soul now is getting renovated. Your soul now is getting more inclined to spiritual things. It tells us, receive with meekness the engrafted word of God, which is able to do what? Save your soul. So we are now talking about the salvation of your soul. But when you got born again, your spirit man was saved. Now, your body is not going to be saved because what God has done is that there is a new body, all right, this is not a teacher, so I don't want to go into it, that you are going to be given that is, all right, in compliance with the new seed that is on the inside of you, which is the incorruptible seed. So when Jesus was raised from the dead, he now was in that new body. So what Jesus did on the earth was to show us how You're called, all right, being with a right spirit, you're called live inside of this body and walk above sin and and still live right inside of this body. All right, he showed us. But at resurrection, his body changed, and that's the body that we're going to have, and it is going to be replaced. So as we're growing Christianity, There's a greater expression right off. So that's why if if your childhood friend or member of your family as a Christian, now you can be forming another. But it's those people that will tell us whether you have changed or you have not changed. Because they know your soul. They know how you react to things. So when you react, ah, they say this guy. You are still how you are in boarding house. What, What are they trying to say? It means you have not renewed that part of your being. It means the word of God has not gone into that part of your being and changed it. It means basically. Now, for you now to say, now this is what people say, you don't know who I am. If you know the village I'm from, what are you saying? You have departed from who you are in the spirit now. And you are now asserting your fleshly, do you get that's what I'm saying here? In other words, you are saying that this soul, you remain the way you are. All right? So it's the, it's the spirit that is the real you. Uh, the soul there, all right, needs to change. Now, the soul, therefore, we can see is the battleground. That's why the Bible says, casting our imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against, them, against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought. So the soul is the battleground. When the Bible says the cares of this world, they enter the soul. The deceitfulness of riches—it's the soul, and the lust of other things—is the soul choke. In other words, those things the flesh now has choked. All right, the expression of the life that is inside your spirit. So when the Bible says the spirit lusts against the flesh, and then the flesh against the spirit, Jesus said the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. All right, so are you going to yield to the flesh? or are you going to yield to the spirit? Because spirit is willing. So he said, enter into the place of prayer in order to get life from your spirit to influence your soul. That's what he's saying. All right? Now, but what you have got to understand is your life as we see it now is not a reflection of your spirit. Your life is a reflection of your soul. Do you get what I'm saying? Okay. Okay. That's why John said, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. So the more the soul gets developed, the more, all right, the life of that person will change as the soul, all right, gets developed and it matures. Now, the second thing, therefore, you've got to understand is receiving from God is not a function. Let me explain, it because this is what we've taught in the past and just confused people. It's not a function of your spirit. Is that where I, I received it in my spirit? Let's say Receiving is a function of your soul. Now, because your spirit is perfect, so where the real problem is, is the soul. That's why James said if any man is double minded, Let not that man think he can receive anything from God. Why? Because the soul there is oscillating between the flesh and the spirit. It says let not that person think. It says receive with meekness the engrafted word of God. Where are you receiving it? Into your soul which is able to save your soul. So the word is going into your soul, alright, saving your soul and that's how your life begins to change and things begin to, to change there. So we also have the soul There is where you have the, mi- the mind. It's where you have the emotions. It's where you have your memory. So when Lazarus rich Richmond was there and said, I remember Lazarus, I remember his spirit and the soul. So you are a spirit being. You have a soul which God gave you to express life. And then you live in the body. Now, because of the fall of man, the, the body now begins to dominate the soul instead of the spirit there. So, we have in Psalm 42, verse 5, the spirit speaking to the soul. All right? And David said, you have to understand this to understand faith and to be able to work with God. Put it up, Psalm 42 and verse 5. Why art thou cast down, O my what soul? Who was telling the soul, the spirit, why are you cast down, O my soul? Art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God. He was talking to his soul, for I shall yet praise Him, who for the help of His countenance. So we see the spirit in a conversation with the soul, saying, "Why are you?" So when somebody is depressed, is the state of their soul. When somebody rejoices with joy, unspeakable, full of glory, it is the state of their soul. Now, your soul is not perfect. we have seen this. Your spirit was created perfect, but your soul has not. So, now when it comes to the matter of sin, therefore, when you got saved, your spirit got born again, Recreated in Christ Jesus, but that's not all right. That's that your soul is in a state is in, is, in, is is getting saved. In you know other words, it's a progressive thing. Every single day you should be experiencing in greater measure the salvation of your soul. And when your soul is getting saved, so what happens is all right. Uh, f- f- three months ago, if somebody came to you and did something, you would have reacted. I say, what type of person are you? Look at you. Listen to me, let me warn you. All right? Three months after, because more life has gone into your soul, they do the same thing, and you say, well, next time, don't do that that way. And people that are watching say, this person is changing. All right? This person is being transformed. So what's happening is there's growth. All right? So when people have, let's say, problems in marriage, there's a problem of the soul. When people remember things, and they say, well, things in their past are still haunting and tormenting them. It's the function of the soul. So God wants to go into the soul there and to cleanse the soul. That's why he says, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness. So inside the soul, all right, there's filthiness there, a superfluity of naughtiness, those things are inside the soul of a person. All right? And it's the soul. When they will interact with you, it's your soul they interact with. right. so most of the time when they describe the personality, they are describing the state of that person's soul. Alright, now, so when you now say, a person says, now you will understand what John is saying. He says, if you say you have no sin, you lie, and the truth is not in you. In other words, what he's saying is, if you say your soul is perfect, you are telling a lie. But if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you. Do you get what we're saying here? He is not talking, he says, put verse 8 here. I mean, this is New Testament. If we say, he, he, you know, some silly Bible teachers say that, silly. They say, John was, I mean, I mean you see, when you interpret scripture in a way that is only you, alright, only you, and, and the, the common man cannot interpret that way, then you are beginning to do what happened in the dark ages. In other words, it is only certain people that can read the Bible. You are saying that he was writing to agnostics and Christians. First verse was to Christians. Second verse was to agnostics. I mean, first of all, the Bible wasn't written in verses and chapters. So all these verses there wasn't in the original script. He wrote it. So are you saying why when he was writing it, then they would look at and say this is for agnostics? John said, "If we," he was referring to himself also. Simple. If we, that's we, we. If we say we have no sin, or right, say I don't want, I don't want, to have sin-consciousness. You understand that your spirit, all right, is created in righteousness and true holiness. For your soul? He said, if we say now, this is the problem. And this is what affects people receiving from God. Then you will understand what Peter was saying, that people say God is slack concerning his promises. God is not slack, but not willing that any should perish, but come to repentance. In other words, there's something there in your soul that has to be cleansed for that particular thing to come. That's what He said. And if you don't subject yourself to that cleansing thing in your soul, then what happens is you hold it back. Thank you for watching today's program. To listen to the full message or any other messages, please visit www.elibrary.insidesforliving.org and to find out more about the Covenants Nation, visit www.insidesforliving.org or download the C3 Live app on Android or iOS. God bless you.